All right, so we are in our series called Signs of the Times. Um, you know, in Matthew 24, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, it's, I believe it's in verse 3, he said, they, uh, Jesus, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And uh, they asked that question, think about it, that wasn't just a one-time thought for them. They asked that right. question because Jesus had spoken to them many times about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven that would one day come to the earth and that he would be king over the earth. They weren't quite sure when it was going to happen. But obviously, if they asked Jesus that question, what will be the sign of your coming and when will be the end of the age, um, there was an answer to it because Jesus had been talking to them about it. And so he told them that it would come, the end of the age would come after a time of great difficulty mm -hmm. on the earth, great trouble and difficulty. And he told them in the generation of his return, if you read Matthew 24 or Luke 21 or Mark 13, those are all parallel chapters. I would encourage you sometime during this series to go back and read those chapters because in all three of those Gospels, it, it talks about the end of the age and the signs of Jesus' coming. But he told them that you are going to see uh, the social order of things get increasingly worse and more difficult to live in, much like what we're feeling the pressure of in our everyday life now. Do you, not, do you feel that pressure? Because mm. he talked about you're going to see the increase of wars, the nations rising against nation, uh, you're going to see earthquakes yes. arise in earthquakes, arise in pestilences. He's, he's saying you're going to see an increase of this in one generation. We realize we've had all these things over a period of a couple thousand years. But he's saying in one generation you're going to see a rise in all of these things come together. Lawlessness, deception, hatred scoffers, people just getting cold towards the things of God, lukewarm towards the things of God. Falling away. Falling away, yeah. And Jesus, you know, in talking about it's going to be like birth pains that are going to increasingly get more difficult, he didn't tell them <clears throat> to have a doomsday mindset about it. Come on. He wasn't like, okay, guys, get on the internet, look up how to be a, do a survivor prepper, you know, here's your, go out and get your survivor list. <laughs> Get your water supply, get your guns, get your, get your 60-day dry food supply. I mean, all those things that if you look up on the Internet, I, I did that as we were doing this message and thought, wow. You know, there's that, literally people that Google, like, the, the most common questions, how to prepare for the apocalypse. And there were some really serious things that were in that. And you couldn't find anybody answer, you need no Jesus. No Jesus, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Jesus was not concerned so much about the outward preparation, obviously. He was concerned about heart preparation, Ooh. is what he was concerned about, heart preparation. Because he said, in the Gospels, don't let your heart be troubled, all right? I'm coming back for you. Or he said, in the world, you will have trials, you will have tribulation and difficulty, but take heart. I've overcome the world for you. Hallelujah. So he tells us throughout scripture, even though difficulty will come, don't let your heart be troubled. And so he's concerned that the disciples will be prepared, and, and us reading this 2,000 years later, that our hearts will be prepared for what's ahead. And to be aware, he told them, I want you to watch 
Like, look out at the world, compare it to what I said in my scripture, and see what you see happening in the world. Watch and pray. Yes. Pray. This is why we, we are led to have as many prayer meetings as we have. I absolutely believe that you, we are you, you need to come right in the midst of what the Lord wants his church to be doing, to be praying that our hearts are, will stay close to him, will abide in him even as we face trouble, yes. that we'll use our time wisely and, and to stay close to him because he does say in Luke that you will have power to be able to stand and endure and then stand in my presence at the coming of the Son of Man. Hallelujah for that. Think about it. This is what we're heading, this is what believers are all heading towards, standing in the presence of God at the day, at the end. And actually, so when you think about it, the greatest day in our lives is yet future. The greatest day in our lives is yet on the horizon. Yeah. Glory! And then we all have many great days in our lives. I mean, the day... Your f child is born, you know, your first child, it's like it's a wonderful day, second, third child, every child. Yes. Or, or you pe uh, people plan for a wedding day or, you know, something big that you're just planning a great day. Maybe it has to do with starting a business or maybe you're looking forward to retirement. Many great days in our lives and that we should plan for and that we should celebrate. Often those days, especially like, say, a wedding day or a baby, we make great, great, great preparation, don't we? <laughs> we give a lot of thought to those days. But are the most important day of our life is yet ahead of all of us in the future. Because in that day, it's like what we were just singing about now. Oh. A just beautiful wow. moment, I think, because there's, there's coming a day when we'll all stand before our great king. Our bridegroom king, mm. you know, when he returns and then we will stand before him and then in his love and I think in his generosity, yeah. he will reward us. This is what that great day is about. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, but it's actually the reward seat of Christ. Well, he will reward us generously for all the little ways that we loved him and stayed faithful to him and obeyed him during our life in the earth. And I know that some believers will think, well, I'm not so into rewards. I don't really care about rewards. Mm. I know it, it sounds humble. <laughs> and maybe to a certain extent it is. But it was an important thing to Jesus. Yes, it because was. Because he talked a lot about it. When you, when you look up some of these scriptures, someone counted them as we were just researching this for the message, but came up with over 50 times where Jesus... In the Gospels. In, or in the Gospels, yeah, mentioned rewards to us. Eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. Like, don't do your deeds publicly uh, or, uh, do, or you'll lose your reward. He mentions a reward there. Or mm -hmm. pray in secret and your Father will reward you in the open. Many of these things are rewards that we will get when we stand before Christ. Not necessarily rewards now in this life. Come on. If you give a cup of cold water to this little one in my name, you won't lose your reward, Right? And then in Colossians, it says, whatever you do, do it for as heartily for yes. the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward. Because it's not man that you're serving, it's That's God right. that you're serving. So you see, there are a lot of places in Scripture where Jesus wants us to be aware of where we're headed. And that there are generous rewards that he'll give us for our, our, 
our obedience to That's him. That's right. Hebrews 11.6 says this, For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God. believing this, that he's a rewarder, is really a foundational principle in the kingdom of God because this is really the whole test for our lives in the earth. When you look at eternity, our 80, 90, 100 years, whatever, however long you live in the earth, is just like a, a piece of sand on, on the seashore compared to billions of years in eternity. So what we do now in the earth, Jesus wants to reward us generously because how you're rewarded is eternal. It will go with you for all eternity. Oh, my. And so he watches. He cares. In Malachi, it says he has a book yes. of remembrance that he writes down every time you think about him and talk about him. That's amazing. Let's don't have that book empty, amen? Yeah. I mean, he's moved by your faith and your love. That's right. And in so, the littlest things that we do. So we need to stay connected to that as amen. we go about our life here on the earth. That is so, so true. But so, when do the yeah, rewards happen? Yeah. Let's don't get them mixed up about what you receive as a blessing here on earth because of your faith, your obedience, uh, it, it, and your answers to prayer. Because these are eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. We need to start thinking with eternity in mind. Amen? Amen. And what we do here matters. And we're going to find this out today. You know, when we pass away, or when Jesus raptures us out, this is when we stand before the Bema seat of Jesus, the judgment seat of Jesus. This is when we will be rewarded for what we've done. And this is important. I want everybody to take a look at this next scripture. It's found in Romans 14. This is really, I want to, I want to stress this point. I want to stress this point. For we shall all, everybody say all. all. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Pretty serious. Pretty serious. Let's take a look at this next scripture found in 1 Corinthians. I just want to make this point. It is a strong point, and it, it should move you. It really should. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. No foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be revealed by fire. If anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Just like Pastor Mamie said, the, the most important day of our life, the greatest appointment that we will ever have is in the future. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want to look at verse 8 really closely. Look at verse 8. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 
we see it's an individual thing here. According to your own work, your own labor, your own deed. Done as a Christian. Allowing the life of Christ to manifest through you to the people around you. It, uh, once again, I love what Pastor Mamie said last week. It's not the family plan. You can't go on anybody's coattails. It's on you as an individual. It's on me as an individual. That kind of wakes me up a bit, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, uh, whoa. And then, of course, verse 11. Hallelujah to this. There's no other foundation anyone can lay that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. But so many people around us, they, 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 they build on a faulty foundation. They lock in on the things of this world. They, they extremely value the wrong things. And so what we want to do is set our foundation on Christ. And it's our life. John 17, 3. We're here to seek God. We're here to know Him. Because in John 17, it says, verse 3, it says, this is eternal life. That's where we're going, folks. This is the eternal life. To know God and the one whom He sent, Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation. He, the Lamb of God, came to this earth to redeem man, to buy men back. He bought us back. We were stuck in slavery because of the power of sin, because of the fall at the, in the garden. But Jesus lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and he shed his blood. On the third day, he was raised again. That said it. It said it for our forgiveness of sin because of his sacrifice on the cross. And then now the relationship that we can have because he was raised from the dead. Glory to God. That's the foundation. That's the foundation we build on. How do we build on it? With loving obedience. By faith and living trust in him. By speaking our faith and inviting others to come into the kingdom. <laughs> holding on to his truth no matter what we see. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. I, that verse says no other foundation can you, can you lay. Because really in the end there is no eternal life outside of Christ. I'm just like what we were singing about, and I think, Chris, you were saying oh, that, that he's the awesome, Alpha and the Chris. Omega. He's the beginning and the end. There is nothing outside of Christ. Eyes of fire. I mean, that's the deception that the Satan has put out in the world, that you can have something in, of life outside of Christ, but you cannot. Because he hold, Jesus holds the keys to life and death, hell and the grave. <laughs> So you cannot build. You might think you're building, but it's a false reality, truly. You're building on sand. And so we see in verse 12 that it says, if anyone builds on this foundation, then using gold 
or silver or precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Then let's go to the next verse, verse 13. It says, his work will be shown for what it is because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So on the day we stand before Christ, a person's life, all of your life, my life, each person's life, our, what we did in our life, the motivation of our life, yeah. our work, our deeds. And it, it is really a lot of, to do with our heart motivation for how we live. Did we live in trust and obedience to Christ or did we live for ourselves? It'll be tested by fire is what it says. And in the, in the book of Revelation, I mean, this is, fits so well, Chris, I keep going to refer back That's to awesome. your exhortation because it was from Revelation that his eyes, you talked about his hair like wool and his, his eyes are like fire, it says. So when he looks at us, if you will, and he looks at us with love, mm -hmm. but this is called a judgment seat. So it's a time of accountability. His eyes are looking at us with fire and our heart motivations will be laid bare before yes. him. Did I live for myself or did I live for him and his glory? Or is really what it boils down to? So in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. I mean, all of these things, it's, it's, it's pretty sobering thought. <laughs> when you begin to meditate on it, my thoughts, my, my words, my deeds, that's everything will be laid bare before him. Nothing escapes his notice. And the things that I did in love, and this is mm -hmm. not about perfection. This is not about living some kind of perfect life. Hello. It's about a, a person's heart that just says, I'm surrendering my life to you. I, you know, we know we're going to stumble. We're not going to do this thing perfectly. Amen. But I am going to press on in the grace of God and in the mercy of God. And I'm going to stay faithful to my walk. And if anyone, it says, I, I believe as you do those things, the littlest things, the small things that yeah. you do in everyday life in obedience to him, like maybe checking your attitude, uh, that was, uh, you go back to the person, I'm sorry I said that, <laughs> a little bit of gold Yes. to your credit. I absolutely believe this is how this works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think it has to be big things to produce gold in that moment. No. It's just little heartfelt moments of humility and following a way of Christ. Mm. And so it says, if anyone's work, this is verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it, meaning the foundation in Christ, endures the fire, he'll receive a reward. See, we don't earn our salvation. Right. This is not about earning my way to heaven. Salvation is a free gift. It comes to us by faith. By the grace of God, we, we, we receive our salvation as a free gift, but we can earn rewards just simply for our life of obedience. And it says, you know, I think if anyone's work, verse 15, is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So what are works of wood, hay, and straw? What are those? I, I believe it's works that we do as followers of Christ, but we're doing it pretty much for our own glory. Come on. For our own recognition. We do it out of our own convenience. We sort of draw the line here and there. Well, I'm not going that far. I'll go this far, but <laughs> not that far. And God doesn't expect everything all at once. If you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, I mean, right. it's a slow walk of giving yourself over to him. But Can I, I hear believe, an amen to that? Just works that end up burning up 
are works that are done with a heart motivation that's just for our own glory. You're still saved. But I believe at that time you will stand there with a measure of regret in your heart. And so you could see why knowing about this, that, that your greatest day, my greatest day, <laughs> is yet future. Because it's a potentially glorious day to be rewarded Amen. for all the little things. And I do believe that the rewards will be, because he says, come and enjoy the inheritance prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In Luke, he talks about rulership over cities. I think we're going to go, oh, what? This, I, didn't do, I didn't really do that much. <laughs> But I do believe he will generously reward those who just have given their heart over to him in humility. And then on the other hand, there's potential on that day for it to be a day of great regret. Right. Because these are eternal judgments. And I believe at that time we will understand fully what we were given in the earth and how great a salvation he gave us. And it'll be regretful. That we squandered our time here in the earth mm. and thought, I put all my eggs in this basket. Oh. Everything's burned up. You're still saved, thank God. But the rewards that go on with you to eternity, and even the assignments right. in eternity will be different than those who gave themselves just in simple childlike faith and obedience throughout their life. You know, Jesus wants us to live for this. Yeah. Like we said, there's 50 scriptures that Jesus refers to eternal rewards. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This should change our perspective. This should change our motivation of life. Now the seat, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. For believers only. This is, this unbelievers will be at, at the great white throne judgment. And they're already sealed eternally. They're, they're damned. But you know what's great? Today is the day of salvation. If you haven't yeah, received amen. Christ right. today, he, he's offering forgiveness of your sins. Yes. And he's offering you this new life that we're enjoying here. Yes. So we want to invite you. Come on to to uh, Community Life Church in person and experience the Spirit of God here that's just mm, saturating our hearts. But today we want to look and continue on in Matthew 25, and this is the parable of the talents. It's well known, and it's uh, the main idea here, Jesus emphasizes gifts, abilities. He, he emphasizes opportunities for us, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through you and through me. And then at his second coming, what we were talking about, the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to ask us to give an account, give an account to the gifts he gave us, give an account of the abilities that we have, the opportunities for ministry that we had, and then how we responded to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. You know, and the calling of God on our lives. Every single one of us. Remember what we said before? The scripture declares that you and I are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That means you have a mission to do. You're responsible. It's really awesome. We need to never let go of an opportunity. Like Pastor Mamie said, it might just simply be doing the dishes when you don't want to. Oh, precious stone. What? <laughs> but you got to do it with the right attitude, amen. Yeah, right. The a heart, servant the heart. heart. 
this right now. I'm going to do this to bless somebody. Yeah. Come on. Now, let's read this. We're going to start off Matthew in verse 14. In verse 14. There's so much in here. We're never going to get done with this this week. Okay? So get prepared. Study this out yourself so that you're ready to go the next time. But for, Verse 14. For it will be like a man. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. For it will be like a man going on a journey who's called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But... He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came and forward and bringing five more talents. Master, you delivered to me five talents. I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Here's our reward. Enter into the joy of your master. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Give me more. <laughs> and he who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you didn't scatter any seed. So I was afraid of you. And I went and hid your money and your talents in the ground. Here's what's yours. His master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew I would I reap where I did not sow, gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put have made interest with my money with the bankers. And that my coming I should receive what was my own with interest. So take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. So when you look at that parable, it has, it does have a glorious promise of yes. reward, but it also has an ominous Sober warning for that servant who thought very little of what they were given. Sometimes I think because what we feel like we were given is small in comparison to what others have, we're maybe more likely to bury it. But Jesus here is likened to the master who entrusts portions of what he has. I mean, the, the parable right. uses money, but we want to think about it exactly as money because it's portions of what belongs to him. And he entrusts it to his servants. They're called servants, okay? 
And then he goes away for a long time, but these servants know that he's going to come back at some point and settle accounts with him. And so there's an opportunity for every one of these servants, whether you were given five, two, or one talent, mm -hmm. to go out and do something for the sake of what you were given. And, but it's an entrustment. I think this is one thing we have to see about the parable. <clears throat> they started out with nothing. The master gave them something and said, go do something with this. And so what we need to see in the parable is that <clears throat> in this entrustment, it's a type of stewardship. Right. That right. Jesus is saying, be a good steward of what I gave you. I mean, Jason mentioned that during the offering time. What we have really isn't ours. That's really hard for us to get. Because, I mean, we have deeds that show ownership and titles and things like that. This is mine. No, it isn't. <laughs> but it's the Lord who gave you life and breath. And even in the Old Testament, it says the power, you know, to get wealth in order to what? In the Old Covenant, establish his covenant. So the power to do what we do, the life and breath in our being, comes from him. Amen. It's so hard for us to get that because we just grow up with this natural mindset that we're in charge of our life. But the parable is wanting us to say, to look at, do I look at my life as a steward over what I've been given? Do I look at everything I have, my gifts, my talents, my abilities? my time, my money, everything? Or do I own my life? Mm. Is my life mine? Am I an owner? And the way you answer that makes all the difference. Yes, it does. On how you live your life. Because are you here to steward someone else's uh, giftings for their glory, which is really how a Christian is supposed to look at it. Whatever giftings you have, you use it for the glory of God. Or do I just use it for myself? I often look at people in Hollywood oh. and think, oh, wow. That gift could have been used so much more beautifully mm -hmm. with eternal rewards if, if it was entrusted to Christ, Amen. you know. But how we use our life, you know, an owner feels like this is just that my time, talent, treasure basically belongs to me. Yeah. I use what I have at my convenience, you know, for my own sake. And we see that he gave different amounts, like in that parable, five talents, it says two and one um, but it's really, don't, again, don't think about it in terms of money. I would say think about it more in terms of just your life assignment, the opportunities yes. that you have before you, the gifts, the talents that you have, even the, and the opportunities, even the struggles and the difficulties that come with how you grew up. Yeah. All of those things mixed together is, is where you're at, five, two, or one. And overall, you know, the Lord has a plan for our life. And in that plan, he's given us abilities, abilities you and, know, or lack of abilities. He's given us physical abilities. He's given us spiritual, emotional, economic abilities. Yeah. And we have, all of us have had family situations. You might have grown up in an awesome family. <laughs> but you, you might have grown up in a, a destructive family, a hurtful family. You know, that's probably more so the case, unfortunately, today. But here's the thing. Every one of us has a unique assignment in life. Every one of us. And God recognizes the combination of these things in your life. But He's going to also 
allow you to walk through those situations because when we stand at that judgment seat, he's going to ask you, how did you respond to me during that time? That's pretty tough, isn't it? But you know, Christ is in you. And as you read the word, he's going to direct you and guide you to be an overcomer. And he's going to give you opportunity in those situations to have gold and silver and precious stones. Don't build with wood, hay, and stubble. Amen? All of us are different. You know what? All of us are different. You, you can't look at me and I can't look at you and fully understand you. I don't know you're, you're fully, I can't be fully aware of how you grew up. I can't be fully aware of your physical limitations, your mental limitations. I, I can't. That's why Jesus says, don't judge each other. Let's build each other up. Let, let's, let's work. There's no way that you can look at me with complete accuracy, and I can't look at you with complete accuracy. This is where the grace of God shows through us mercy. There's gold. Amen? Come on. I think for the sake of the guy who buried his talent, he just had the wrong understanding of what he was given. And I I think this happens. Like we compare ourselves so much. I mean, social media has really pushed that to the extreme. But on the one hand, it can look unfair, even even just knowing, well, wait, Lord, why did you give some five and some two and some one? Why did you do that? It looks unfair, <laughs> but we can't judge that. And be, but most, of, most yeah. of us have been given, if you will, small assignments. <laughs> some believe that our, the work only matters if it turns into something really big. Because we push big. Was I noticed? Did I get recognized? Did mm. I stand on the stage? You know, did I? And it's all the small things that we do that really matters. I mean, our life assignment, you might judge it as small. You might look at somebody else and go, eh, I don't have anything compared to them. Don't do that. Yes. Because like you, Pastor Steve was saying, the Lord understands all the complexities of how our life environments have been put together. Right. And yet he still rewarded the same reward for the person who had five and the person who had two. He said, you were faithful in a few things. He said that to both of them. Yeah, the same response. Enter into the reward, <sighs> you know, of, of your father. And so what we do with our assignment, our heart reaction to God, as difficult as your life may be, you take those difficulties and you press into God, you're, you're building on gold, silver, and precious stones. You might look and go, it doesn't seem like I'm a Billy Graham or I'm a, some, you know, the president of some nation. You don't have to be. Right. There are very few people, you know, when it comes right down to it, that are going to be recognized and applauded that way by the masses. But even, you have, we have to just keep in mind that God rewards you equally according to your assignment. So we have to get our eyes off of, my assignment doesn't look as important. It's important to the Lord. Amen. He gave you, if he gave you two, he gave you one talent. 
that was important to him. Yes, yes. And so we have to resist just getting caught up in comparing ourselves to others and then doing what the, the person with one talent did, buried it. Well, it's not even worth very much. I might as well just Ooh. not bother with it. And that didn't work out well for that servant. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the, the truth is most people's influence is going to be small. And that is the will of God. Yeah. It's not bad to have two talents. It's not bad to have <laughs> one talent. I mean, seriously, in the history of Christianity, most people have a small influence. Yeah. But how many Christians are in this world? How many Christians in China? How many Christians in Russia? How many Christians over there, over there, over there, and over there? And all of us doing our little thing makes something glorious to the Father. Come on now. I touch a little here, one there, over here. Okay, you touch one here, one there, over there. And people are doing that all over the world. All over the world. I mean, when we get to heaven, it's going to be crowded. It's all going to be great. <laughs> You're faithful in a little. Yeah. Faithful in a few. You know, people get saved and they think they're coming into the kingdom. They're going to do glorious things for God. You know, <laughs> that's the Americanized gospel. They'll preach that. God has an incredible plan for your life. And he does. But because it's not big, we think it's worthless. That's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will be saved a lot of heartache. If on the front end, <laughs> yes. when they gave their life to Christ, you knew you were signing up for, to just be faithful in the small things in your life. Raising your children and yeah. discipling Hallelujah. them to know God. To love God, to serve other people. That's a, we might say that's, look, that's really not a small assignment. <laughs> Anybody who's been a parent would go. That's when you're going to be ruler over 10 cities, yeah. moms. <laughs> you know, just faithful to stay, you know, to do good things in, in everyday life is very significant. Loving your spouse, being faithful and loving your spouse. That's a big assignment, if you will, is it not? How about we're just walking in humility and forgiveness when it's difficult, when people have hurt you, and it seems wrong and it's unfair, but humbling yourself yes. and walking in the Christ-like forgiveness with people, developing the fruit of the Spirit in our life, love, joy, mm. peace. This is, think about it, this is the fruit of our life in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not, not so much at all about how big, it, it doesn't scream success the way the world calls Come success. On. I mean, the body of Christ in America, especially in America, and it's sort of been produced now around the world in, in larger countries, has built a celebrity mindset into ministry. Come on now. You it's know? the truth. I mean, God's truly gifted some of these people, five talents, ten, it looks like twenty. I mean, I like some of these people preaching, I think, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? You know, like, I'm ready to be an usher. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, but through the rise of social media, 
in the mixture of just all of that, people like heroes. So it's like the fame and recognition and fortune and money yeah. and lights and everything that come with it. It's difficult to walk in humility and the things that the Lord really calls important and great come in our on life. Now. Because it just promotes bigger platforms, bigger crowds. Add to it flashing lights and yeah. gigantic screens with the... This used to bother me at the beginning. Oh, it still bothers me. It still does, but I mean, I could just remember, you know, before we were in full-time ministry, and you'd go, to, you'd go to churches and all, and they'd put on the screen the faces of the people. During worship. During worship. And I mm. remember when that was initially happening, and I think, I don't want to see your face. I'm thinking about Jesus, you know. But I'm telling you, like now you just, you see the faces of people. It's a concert atmosphere, and it's all... It, the music smoke machines you know, is great. I'm not I listen to the music. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm what I'm trying to get across is that it the, it tests our heart motivations for ministry. What am I after here? Because if you stick a person on in lights and camera and big screens, I think it's very hard for any human nature to reject the recognition and the fame that just automatically comes on the tails of that. That's right. And that's what pulls a lot of ministers down. And it actually teaches the sheep to want the wrong thing. I want my purpose, you know, my recognition. This is for, you know, my calling, my ministry. Mm. That's, it happens. It does happen. I have, we have, we to, have admit. to admit that, you know, at the beginning we, we fell into that mindset because every magazine you get, the fastest 50 growing churches in America, the next 100 up-and-coming stars. Well, they didn't yeah. use the word stars, but the, the key is, is that, you know, thank God as we walk this walk, you know, in 19... 94, God spoke to me and he said, Steve, ride the turtle. And we spoke about this earlier. You know, you don't get it all at once. It's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. You, God is so sweet in teaching us. Don't act like that. Forgive him. No, no, forgive him. No, no, forgive her. No, no, let that go. We're learning, we're building, we're placing gold here. Our character's being developed. You, the key is, is that all we want is to have some impact with the gifts that we have. Amen? Amen? Even if it's small, I rejoice that I have one. The master himself has given us a gift. I'm going to develop it. I'm going to share it with everybody I can. You know, but I'm not saying that large ministries are bad. Some of them are fantastic. Totally, yeah. They are. Yeah. But what we want, through it all, we want our response to Christ to be with a heart motive that's pure. Yeah, yeah. And it's for the sake of His glory and not our own glory. Yeah. Yes. You know, the good news is to be faithful in a little, day by day, day by day, day yeah. by day. Yeah. He notices everything. It's just like Pastor Mamie said, you know, it, it, he's got a book. As soon as you say something about, oh, I'm writing that down. That was awesome. Dad, did you hear that? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He knows everything.
listen, he knows we're going to face pressures. He knows we're going to face obstacles. We know we face trouble, amen? amen? This is where we yield our hearts to him. And we learn how to do that through experiences. And let's get it right. The thing we got to do is be, ah, oh, man, I blew it on that one, like Pastor Mamie says. Forgive me, Lord, I did that wrong. I'm sorry. I seem to be mad at you. I don't even know why. <laughs> this is how it works. Yeah. Precious stone. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Right. <laughs> yes. No, he's not kidding. Right. <laughs> not at all. And it's so true. What he sees we do in secret, just in little good deeds. Yeah. He marks it down. So God rewards, it says, a good and a faithful servant. A good and a faithful servant. Good means what? What does good mean? I just, I did my best to mm -hmm. follow God. Not perfect. You know, according to his ways. Yeah, this is not about perfection. But I'm on a trajectory to just do good in my life instead of bad. Balance it out with bad. But it always is according to the standard of the yes. word of God. And faithful just points to a life that stays true to your life assignment, whatever life environment you find yourself in with your giftings, your talent, your treasure. You stay true. Yeah, yeah. You know, abiding in Him, staying close to Him in spite of just obstacles, pressures that come, and even suffering that comes in our path. Come on, come on. In light of it. We just stay faithful. We go, well, you know, Jesus suffered. He learned obedience by what he suffered. And so I'm staying on the path with you, Lord. Gosh, that's good. And so the servant, you know, a servant heart just speaks of a willingness then to sacrifice. That we're not living for our own sake. I think this is one of the hardest things for us to get over is to get over ourselves. <laughs> It's for his kingdom, amen? Yeah. Jesus gives us his parable to get our hearts ready. Yeah. He wants us, listen, we're going to be living with him for all eternity. Yeah. We sang that song, does God intend to dwell with us? Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes. Yes. God the Father. Be faithful in little will be working for your eternity. It's yeah. only what you do now with the right heart motives. Mamie said it in, it's in Luke. You're faithful in a little. Listen, he said, be ruler over ten cities. Do you know that in the kingdom that's coming, if we live this way, we will rule and reign with him over all the nations. But it's what we do now. And it is the desire of God's heart that we do that. You might sit there and think, well, I don't need to rule. I'm okay without doing that. But we have to take it from Jesus' perspective. Yes. Because he's going to rule and reign over the earth, and he wants people to accompany him to do it. Yes. And so even if you feel like now, well, I'm not a ruler, I don't have those abilities, he'll put them in you. Amen. He'll give you an assignment, he says, to help him just in to spreading righteousness in the earth. 
And so let's just bow our heads as we just consider the truths that we heard today from this wonderful parable. God, I pray that you let it sink deep into our heart, that we do live our lives from a perspective of eternity, and that we value what you've given us, Lord. You've given us so great a salvation. That in itself is just astonishing. Your very life on the inside of us. And then giftings, abilities, even the hardships, Lord, that some of us face in our lives. You faced hardship as you walk the earth. So you understand. You are touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Mm. But you've given us your grace to overcome. And this in the little things, Lord, I pray that we learn to trust you, to lean ourselves into you, to put ourselves in your hands, to know we're being guided by a good shepherd. We're being helped by the grace and the glory of God on the inside of yes. us. Lord, I pray that we would make a determination after we hear this parable. Lord, I will not be a person to bury my talent. I, will be, I, I don't care what you've given me. If it's been a half of a talent, mm-hmm. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to draw people into your kingdom and use it for your glory. Because we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. So maybe you're the other important part of this parable, the tragic part of this parable, is that one who buried the talent. It went to outer darkness. Anybody who is not, this is, this is a believer now. This is somebody who just simply buried what God had given them. This is not an unbeliever. This is a believer. You know, you and I are not going to change his mind on that day at all. Not at all. This is pretty tough. But there is eternity and darkness and flames and torment that will never cease. Scripture declares that smoke of their torment comes up forever and ever. And you don't want to be a part of that. This is why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on that cross. He shed his blood. He was stretched out. He was beaten. He was tortured. All because he wanted to buy you back from the power of sin. Today's the day of salvation. If you are wanting to escape that eternal punishment... I'm asking you to raise your hand right now. I see those hands. (laughs) I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud. Everybody. You, You that are watching this, this is the day. This is the time. This is the moment for you. Jesus has prepared it exactly for you at this time. With your heart. I say, Jesus... Jesus. I have sinned against you. I've sinned against you. I have been my own God. I've been my own God. I am ready. I'm ready. To invite you into my heart. To invite you into my heart. To receive the forgiveness of my sins. To receive forgiveness from Oh, there's so many. Oh, there's so many. But your blood will cleanse it, and I'll be purified, and all of it will be forgiven. Yes. Come, I want to live my life now and forever for you and with you. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. amen. Glory to God.
Glory to God.